Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I just wanted to do a quick review of the Snyder Cut Justice League. So, this is actually a rewatch. So I've watched it a second time. I don't know how I found the time. Four hours turned into eight. My God, how's that possible? But it is, if you're committed. And I just wanted to have a chat to everyone and talk about whether it was still good or not. And thankfully it is. After a second viewing, it is still awesome. Again, that's not saying much considering it's being compared against the original one that was released by Joss Whedon. Poor Joss Whedon. I feel like there's going to be a document documentary about, um, you know, the Joss Whedon cut. And it's going to have all that sad music and interviews. and You know, because he was given a project that was already kicked off by someone else. And that's hardest at the best of times. Uh, but in any case... Um, just wanted to have a talk, and there'll be some spoilers, obviously. But how can there be spoilers with a movie that's uh, already been out a few years ago? But anyway, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. And of course, everyone's up in arms. All the DC fandom going nuts about Restore the Snyderverse. Which is understandable when something like this is released. And the director is vindicated, and the fans and critics are um, both in approval. It's hard to deny why a studio would, would not want to, you know, continue on with the rest of his vision if he already had a plan for other movies and to get these characters that everyone really enjoys to come back. Um, yeah, it's, it's understandable that um, that will become the new movement. Um, the original movement was, of course, release the Snyder Cut. Uh, it's kind of funny. Everything's got a hashtag these days. But, um, yeah, talking about Joss Whedon, I think that is uh, interesting. Obviously, uh, Zack Snyder had to step away due to a family tragedy with his stepdaughter. And, you know, he just couldn't continue with the project. His heart wasn't in it, but I'm sure it was still in the back of his mind. That's how we, we got here. Um, and it is good that he finally got to release his vision. But, you know, in general, the, the studio was already meddling. Warner Brothers already had something in mind that was a bit different. And with Joss Whedon, I think they just were able to push him in the exact direction that maybe he wanted to go a bit, and they just fanned the flames further. And uh, it went into uh, essentially a whole different version of the movie, a more Marvel-looking movie. Um, and again, there's nothing against the Marvel movies. Everybody loves those. Um, but again, that's two different flavors, Marvel and DC. Uh, I will say, it's interesting comparing the two, actually. Um, everyone always thinks DC is darker and Marvel is full of happy colors. Um, I think the interesting thing about what Marvel has done is they know exactly what the audience wants, they know the formula, and they delivered it every time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, as well as cultivating the characters over 10 years, which is, you know, they had the money and the time and the effort to put into it, and that's how the characters got introduced. And that's what I think Warner Brothers didn't understand. Uh, you know, it's a typical studio kind of move to compete and try to catch up. And, you know, they had Man of Steel, and again, Zack Snyder trying to probably slowly introduce the universe. 
but then Batman versus Superman comes out and then they're trying to throw a bit more together quickly Wonder Woman gets introduced and then uh, all of a sudden Justice League comes out and rather than actually introducing movies for each character to have their own movie and have a backstory they just smashed them all in one movie and, and pushed it out and that in itself is hard so that's a big ask for Zack Snyder or Joss Whedon to say here just cram it on to um, one movie and by the way try to keep it to two hours try to keep it to the the normal movie length 90 minutes really in the old days because you know honestly a theater a traditional movie theater is about um, getting butts and seats and packing them in and getting enough sessions in a day to make the money uh, if you have a four-hour movie you, you got two sessions <laughs> you got three sessions tops um, and again in the old world, world of money before the idea of streaming and paying for a service uh, it was the idea of yeah as many shows as you can in a day and so 90 minutes two hours is more feasible so, so yeah, already Warner Brothers was trying to play catch-up by trying to throw in all of these characters in Justice League, throwing in Aquaman, throwing in The Flash, throwing in Cyborg, and just cramming them all in saying, here, we've caught up to Marvel now, we've done it. Um, but again, you know, obviously they didn't. It was, it, was, it was too much. So, again, comparing DC and Marvel, sometimes it's comparing apples and oranges, but... I do feel like the DC Universe, it is creating a movie that the characters in that believe that that world is real. Um, and a lot of movies work like that. The Dark Knight works like that. Um, whereas Marvel even sometimes pokes fun of itself. It's a bit tongue-in-cheek. It's a bit of a, you know, a wink and a nod to the audience, you know. They even say, oh, look, look at me. I'm... I'm dressed as a superhero, I'm about to go out and fight and save the city and, you know, they talk about themselves as being superheroes. Whereas in the DC Universe, um, these are serious people, this is a serious guy, Batman uh, Bruce Wayne. He's got issues, but uh, he dresses up like a bat and, and works out so he can pummel the shit out of uh, bad guys and criminals. Uh, and he tries to you know, induct others into into his vigil, vigilante world. Um, yeah, a little scary, a little dark, if that were the real world. Uh, Batman is a vigilante. And in the real world, uh, yeah, that guy would be in jail. So, but that's interesting. That's their take on it, and, and I like that, you know. Uh, the Joker was like that, making it very visceral and real. The characters believe it, and you are watching that world, and... If you live there, it would be real. So again, that's, that's already the difference in general with DC and Marvel. And you always have to take that into account before you're, you're talking about both those movies or, or comparing them or the success of the two when, you know, different, different audiences want different things. Um, but anyway, uh, the other thing that was interesting is it was presented in 4.3. Look... That's something that, once I started watching it, I didn't even notice it after a while. But we have been so... Um, it's been ingrained in us now that the traditional uh, television sets have gone out of our minds. And if you're old enough, like me, you remember 
the old TVs, and now everything's widescreen. Everything was was becoming more like cinema and 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 16.9 your tv is taking on the widescreen shape um and that's fine that is a cinema look that is how cinema started that's something that we're used to when you go to the movies and now it's in our home home cinemas but it's funny the the 43 aspect is actually more natural as much as we have peripheral vision you really only focus on that center part when you're looking at anything you're only focusing on pretty much that 4-3 box anyway and so a lot of that on the outside is lost I was I was telling a friend of mine I watched Transformers once at IMAX and I almost had a freaking seizure there's too much going on uh, but yeah so 4-3 more in tune with the IMAX shape which Zack Snyder uh, had been very obsessed with, as a lot of directors are. And the IMAX is a much taller screen. It's about the height. Um, obviously, when you're IMAX, the screen the screen is more square, but you don't notice because it's enormous. Um, uh, anyway, there's a lot of reasons for that, but that's neither here nor there. I think everyone got used to it, and it, it wasn't a big deal. And a lot of the characters, when they're on screen, more is happening with them in that space anyway, the 4-3 space, the vertical space. Superman taking off vertically, uh, their, their torso and their, and their head in a two-shot. It's very centralized, and um, yeah, I think it came off uh, beautiful. So yeah, we won't even talk about that anymore. <laughs> That's boring. But uh, it just, it was interesting that, that he chose to do that and, and sort of went against the grain. Um, so is it, is it the... Uh, the holy grail for the DC universe, or was it just a vanity project? I think it might be a little of both, but I think um, if Warner Brothers had smart people in charge, they would see this as uh, the savior of their of their universe. But I don't think smart people are in charge based on their their history of movies thus far that are just all over the place. They're hit and miss, and uh, you know, Suicide Squad and and their TV shows. Uh, uh, you know, definitely hit and miss. Not, not that great. So, should they take this and run with it when something works? And again, something like like Joker that worked. Uh, but again, I um, I don't know. I don't know who's in charge and what direction they want to go in. But uh, they really should uh, roll with this and uh, and keep the momentum going. But um, that remains to be seen whether they will or not. Um, so yeah, so obviously a long movie, but it was needed because there was a lot to pack in. You can't just rush it. And that's what happened with the Justice League, uh, the Joss Whedon cut. Um, things didn't make sense. Jokes didn't land. Everything seemed awkward. No one had a backstory. Backstory, people. Seriously. Exposition. Backstory. You need that. Um, everyone finally gets one, even though it's been a few years, so we knew more about that. There's been an Aquaman movie, but at that time, it was like, here's Aquaman, yeah. Yeah, I'm Jason Momoa, yeah. But, you know, look, he was still cool. He, he is what he is. He's, he's, the, he's the cool guy. He's the Jim Morrison. He's the, he's the cool rocker um, superhero, and um, he wasn't a problem. It was more Cyborg and The Flash, uh, you know, not getting a full backstory and now they get that and and that's good and Wonder Woman finally back to Wonder Woman warrior form uh, wasn't a fan of 1984 
I just sorry I thought it was just uh, cheesy and strange and all over the place and uh, everyone goes on about strong female characters as if those were just invented today that's ridiculous because strong female characters if they're well written and well acted have been around for decades and men women children boys girls we like those characters based on the solid writing and the story of the character and the person obviously playing them too and people fall in love with characters in movies or comics or books for decades now so don't give me the it's all of a sudden there's there's strong female characters um, but uh, Gail Gadot and one woman is a strong female character and in this one that definitely shines through she is back to her Amazon warrior self as are all the Amazons um, even that story got more of a, a play and it was it was needed it was needed to see them um, and battling against Steppenwolf and protecting the mother boxes and uh, no it was good and Wonder Woman I'll be honest that opening scene even uh, alone to see Wonder Woman um, fighting the bad guys uh, protecting the kids in the uh, museum or whatever it was that scene was fantastic it was like really watching what a superhero would look like the way it was showing the shots moving fast and deflecting the bullets with her bracelets and and just the way it was shot um, and the slow-mo wasn't overused and the parts that are fast it, again it would be like if someone looked superhuman to you they'd be moving fast and and you know to deflect a bullet you'd have to be moving pretty quick and so yeah the way they shot that was uh, fantastic um, and yeah, so everyone obviously got a backstory, and they were developed. Cyborg got a backstory with his father, and, and developed to see who he was, and what his motivations were. And that's important, because you need to care about the characters, or you just don't give a shit. And that's what happened in the first Justice League. Um, even the bad guys. Look, Steppenwolf, in the original Justice League, was just generic bad guy. He's doing bad guy things because he looks evil and scary, so he must be a bad guy. Um, now, he's actually developed properly with a backstory, and funny enough, you almost feel for the guy, and that's what you want. That's, that's how you pull the audience in, to relate to even the bad guys. Because, uh, you know, let's face it, even Thanos had a point of view, but I'll get into that in a second. But, um, yeah, so Steppenwolf actually has a backstory. You can see uh, the emotion in his face when he is searching for these mother boxes, and he's doing it for a reason. He's doing it to appease his boss, Darkseid, a much more evil, evil Thanos type. Uh, I'll be honest. Again, it, he can't help but compare Marvel. So yeah, he's a he's a big bad guy like Thanos. Now, Thanos had you know, one of the most interesting backstories because everything he did, he thought he was doing uh, the best thing for everyone in the universe. Again, I'm sure that's a debate that goes on and on. His idea was obviously to arbitrarily get rid of half the living beings in the universe, and that alone will save the universe, save the planets, because there's too many people. There's billions of people you know, billions of people in the universe, if, if they're out there, if they're aliens. So, yeah, in that storyline, it was because his history is about his family perishing because his planet had overused its resources and, and, and died. So, again, 
his motivation, although warped, and actually ends up <laughs> killing billions of people. In his mind, he felt he was doing the right thing to save everyone. So again, it's motivation. It gives you something to think about. And Steppenwolf obviously is in the, in the doghouse. He's in the shit. His boss is unhappy. So he's doing this to please him to get back in the good books with Darkseid, who's a big Thanos badass. So that's enough. That was enough alone to change the whole character and people stop making fun of him saying, God, he's a shit character. I actually thought he was interesting and, and fun to watch. And yes, the, the CGI guys, it's not like they started from scratch, but they did rework his armor and rework his look so it, it didn't look so half-assed and cheesy. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really pretty cool. So, you know, all in all, everyone getting a backstory, it's great. Sometimes, though, there's still not enough time to explain everything. So, you know, with Superman, the, uh, the story is they're trying to obviously resurrect him because they need his help to fight against uh, Steppenwolf. Um, that hasn't changed. That's still the story. And um, uh, Bruce Wayne and Diana, uh, Batman and One Woman, looking for uh, the rest of the, the group, uh, Aquaman and the Flash and Cyborg, to get them on the team. So that storyline hasn't changed. Uh, but Superman has this new awesome um, cool black uh, suit and I think it would have been good to at least explain is it just because it looks cool and it fits within the Zack Snyder color palette which is very you know comic and, and dark but uh, so apparently that's a healing suit um, I heard that I just thought that was interesting it does help to have a bit of a backstory there he didn't just change suits because he went to the closet and goes, uh, uh, blue, red, I'm tired of that. Jesus. Oh, black. Awesome. I'm going black. Does, does it come in black? Very Batman. But yeah, so it was supposedly a Kryptonian healing suit. So he's wearing that because he's not, he's not fully back yet. The, the sun hasn't completely um, energized him and brought him back. So look, that's interesting. They could have put that in. But in any case, hey, it looked awesome and it does look awesome. Um, I think people are happy to just see it as a as a new look. Um, I will say the the Flash. Uh, I feel like that actor, he's still just really annoying himself. <laughs> um, but yes, his character is a little bit better. His cheesy jokes do land a bit better, and he is supposed to be like that Peter Parker, Spider-Man. He's young. Uh, and he's still trying to figure everything out and get a hold of his powers and understand his place in the universe, so he's, he's awkward. And that's fine. But like I say, the, the actor himself is, uh, is maybe he's just really annoying. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, all in all, like I say, after a second viewing, it was, uh, it was still fantastic. And uh, everyone got more of a backstory and it just worked well together. And when they finally come together, you uh, finally care about all of them. Uh, and like I said, you even are interested more in the bad guy. So when the, they're battling, you just care about, uh, about everybody. Um, I think it was interesting at the end. So again, spoilers. Uh, the ending shows uh, Bruce Wayne having one of his other uh, uh, dreams where he's um, dreaming about the future. Um, and again, look, in the Batman versus Superman, he was having a dream, but then there was also the part where he was being visited by uh, the Flash, because obviously the Flash uh, can 
go fast enough to be able to alter time. Kind of like Superman, the whole um, Superman 2 spin the earth around and, and uh, reset everything. So, yeah, I don't know if it's, if it's that, how he's getting these premonitions, or he's just, um, Batman's very in, in touch with his inner self and intuitive. But so he's having a dream again about a dystopian future where even though they won the day in Justice League, it all turns to shit. And there um, is something about Lois Lane, and that's been brought up before, where the Flash comes back in time and warns Bruce, uh, Lois Lane is the key. And I used to think it was, she's the key to bring Superman back to himself. Because, you know, rather than being uh, a walking zombie, she was the key to, to bringing him back to, to life. Uh, and figuring out who he was. But obviously there's more to it. So I think in this, in this future, Lois Lane is possibly dead. And it might have been <laughs> Batman's fault. Or the, or the Justice League as a group. In any case, uh, um, Superman has gone apeshit again. And um, he's pissed off at everybody. And the whole world is, is, is decimated. And so it's this future where there's this ragtag team still left. Uh, and there's uh, Batman and, and a few of them there. And again, spoiler, but there's, there's a Joker again at the end. So I thought that was interesting to to bring him back and uh, it was a really long scene I'm not sure if it was necessarily needed to be that long but it's uh, it's Batman and the Joker mostly having a conversation and um, uh, Batman gets to use the word fuck <laughs> I think that's what the entire scene was about so they could have an R rating uh, Batman pretty much tells the Joker uh, you know I am going to kill you one day um, you better fucking believe it uh, you know, so he got to say the F word and um, and everyone's like, oh, how exciting. But anyway, that was to, again, allude to, you know, the next step in more movies, Justice League movies in, in the Snyderverse. But whether that happens or not, that's up to Warner Brothers. But um, it was a, an interesting scene to, uh, to see that. Um, anyway, all in all, like I say, still holds up very well. Worth watching. It's more of a, a movie event. Like I told my friend, don't watch it on his phone. Don't watch a bootleg copy. Not like anyone would ever do that. But watch it at home and and make a night of it. Make a thing. Maybe take a break in the middle like they used to in the old days. Like Lawrence of Arabia. Intermission comes up. The intermission screen. You go get a drink. Go get some snacks, some chips, some popcorn. And then come back and, and go for round two. And obviously it is presented in parts. Which they were going to release it like um, TV episodes. I'm glad they didn't. But it is interesting that you can pause it at certain parts, maybe watch the first few parts, and then watch the rest um, you know, after you've got some refreshments. But um, yeah, all in all, pretty amazing. I did want to point out, I think, I do think that Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne is possibly now my favorite. He's a good Bruce Wayne. He's doing Bruce Wayne stuff. Uh, when he says, you know, uh, when The Flash asks him, uh, what's your superpower? He says, I'm rich. It actually makes more sense in this version. He is using his money for good. He's using his wealth to, to whatever, um, you know, make the weapons, get people together. He's using, yeah, his money as a power. So <laughs> nothing wrong with that. It kind of makes sense. Um, and whether you like Zack Snyder as, as a person, you should, you know, you got to separate the, the art from the artist sometimes. Um, 
But if you don't like the Zack Snyder look of his movies, you might not like, like this one because it's certainly dialed up to like 11. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there you go. Um, second watching holds up really well and um, very happy. So we'll see where we go with the Snyderverse and what Warner Brother does. And um, oh yeah, no, um, no mustache gates. That's good. No um, CGI mustache <laughs> on Superman, which is always a good, a good thing because that was ridiculous. Um, and yeah, the CGI overall is actually actually pretty good in this. Um, and there's no fat flick because there were no um, extra scenes that were cut in to fit the Joss Whedon uh, narrative. So it was all the original footage where everyone <laughs> looks the same and there's continuity where someone didn't gain and lose weight from one scene to the next, <laughs> which never works. Um, yeah, so there you go. Um, curious to see where we go and, and hope to see more. All right, that's it. Hope you enjoyed, and uh, I'll talk to you later. See ya.